Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells. Wildcard weekend is here. We are excited, regardless of the weather. Uh, and that's that's two games right now, because uh, there's going to be some tough weather in Kansas City, tough weather in Buffalo, but we are happy. The playoffs are here. Um, this episode, though, it's going to be a playoff... Uh, Wild card preview episode. I'm also going to be dropping my first top 10 mock now that those teams are locked in. Time to switch over to a little bit of off-season draft talk. So I'll give my top 10 mock at the end of the episode after the wild card preview. But uh, first, let's start off with a little bit of more coaching news. So last episode, I gave my uh, teams that could still possibly be firing their quarter or their head coaches. Uh, teams that are looking, the candidates that I have. Um, So one more job that I did not expect to be open became available. The Seattle Seahawks have moved on from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll joins them as an advisor and I think an executive vice president, whatever the hell that means in the front office. Uh, And I think it's a good move. Uh, Like, honestly, I was talking last episode about the Seahawks, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know where you go from here. Like, Pete Carroll's a good coach. The roster is good. Everything's good, but nothing will put them over the edge. And I don't think this kind of pushes them over the edge, but I think that it gives them that ability to have a little bit of a restart, a little bit of a jump that they need, or it doesn't work and you kind of start doing the rebuild thing. But change was needed for Seattle, uh, and they got it. Pete Carroll finishes... uh, I mean, as a Super Bowl champion, was 170 and 120 and one in his NFL career. Uh, also was an NCAA champion with USC. He has had a very, very good career as a football coach. Um, nothing that he should be uh, shamed for. I mean, I guess the USC stuff at the end, because if you don't really know about that, there is some cheating. And then when the cheating got tough, that's why Reggie Bush lost his Heisman was because of Pete Carroll, essentially. But he went straight to the NFL and immediately started winning there. Uh, those early tens teams with Russ and the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, uh, those were very, very fun teams to watch. And Pete Carroll is a major reason because of that. Uh, Wishing Pete nothing but the best. Uh, he he is now not the oldest uh, coach in football anymore. Uh, two more moves. One being a college head coach, though, but I have to bring it up because you can't not talk about Nick Saban if you host a football podcast. So Nick Saban officially retires from Alabama um, as the greatest college head coach of all time. Uh, finishes... 292 and 71 and 1 as a college head coach, obviously splitting between Bama and LSU and also Michigan State, which I didn't know. Um, he has seven national championships, 11 SEC championships. He is, he's the GOAT. Uh, Alabama will never see another coach like him. I don't, and I don't know how they replace him, but Nick Saban deserves his flowers. And one wild stat 
that like it shouldn't be a stat, but this is such a Nick Saban type of stat. Uh, so he finished his Alabama, his Alabama coaching record was 201 and 29. Uh, I think he had 44 first round prospects. So he had more first round prospects drafted over his tenure at Bama than he did losses. Shows you how good of a coach he is. Uh, the goat of college football. Obviously, he left the Dolphins high and dry. Uh, we've moved past it, though. I mean, I've moved past it. I wasn't really paying attention when that happened. I know there still are a lot of bitter Dolphins fans out there, though. Um, and the last big coaching move, uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots have officially parted ways. Uh, Saban was Bill's uh, former defensive coordinator when he was with the Browns, but... Uh, I don't know if Bill's journey is done as a NFL head coach, but just some of his accomplishments here. He has eight Super Bowls, two with the Giants, six with the Patriots, obviously. Three-time coach of the year. Uh, NFL records, most Super Bowl wins with eight. Most wins as a head coach with six. Most Super Bowl appearances, 12. Most Super Bowl appearances as a head coach, nine. Most playoff wins as a head coach, 31. And he is second all-time in wins right now behind the great Dolphins coach Don Shula. And we will see if Bill decides to chase that record because that is kind of the one thing that he has left. He just does not have the most wins. And he will get to pick wherever team he goes. Um, I think if the options... The options for Bill right now, I think, would be... Because he's going somewhere where he can try to win immediately. I think Seattle would be interesting. I think that he could get that offense working to at least where they're like average. And he would whoop that defense into shape. I can tell you that. That'll be... I like that Seahawks defense a lot. That'll be a very good Seahawks defense with him there. Um, The Falcons. Falcons, they just need to find that quarterback. But... Uh, they're in need of a good coach. I do think that that's one of the better job openings. And then, of course, the Chargers. You go there, you get Justin Herbert, you have your franchise QB, you bring in Bill to fix the defense. Uh, I think it'll work. And maybe the Commanders. Maybe the Commanders with, you go full rebuild, you get Bill in there to rebuild the team, and you go and you pick your QB of the future and Drake May potentially. Uh, Bill has options, and if he doesn't want to coach, that is fine, but he is the greatest coach of all time. There are some Patriots fans that try to discount that and say that Tom Brady would have the same amount of rings if Pete Carroll was the head coach. That is a flat-out lie, and you are kidding yourselves, but regardless, Bill is the GOAT. Um, happy he is out of the division, though. Thank goodness. It's a new era for the Patriots now, and we talked about it a bit on the Wednesday show there, where um, they'll have their pick, and it's going to be Mike Vrabel, or it's going to be Gerard Mayo, who's been their defensive coordinator for the last few years, obviously former Patriots linebacker himself. Um, And I don't think they can really go wrong. Obviously, to me, Mike Vrabel's the obvious choice former player uh and he's a proven has a proven track record to be a very good head coach in this league where mayo former pats player will have the respect of everyone already uh but you just don't know if he's a bona fide solid head coach um i do think vrabel is the obvious choice i think if they pick mayo it's kind of hands up in the air you just hope that he can be as good as a head coach as mike vrabel but 
ideally, if you're the Patriots, you keep both of them. You have Mike Vrabel as the head coach. He keeps Gerard Mayo on as the defensive coordinator. And then Mayo goes and he gets whatever job he possibly wants. Uh, either way, I had to start... Uh, had to start that episode talking about these those three legends of the sport. Ah, uh, part of my childhood is, childhood is now dead, and my basically any t- like Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick have always been part of my Saturday and Sunday viewing, and that will be no more. Um, round of applause! Round of applause! They did fantastic. Um, I guess now let's get into this. Uh, this wild card preview here, starting off with the first game of the week to kick off the playoffs. Browns at Texans. Browns minus two. Total set at 44.5. This is a game where, you know, it's the Texans at home. They got the young rookie CJ Stroud. They got the number two coach of the year in D'Amico Ryans. And they had a big win. And they've been battling for the playoffs for a while now. And they've always been. Hungry and scrap, whatever, whatever. Um, but there's just something about this Browns team that just won't go away. I don't know if Flacco is going to have that rust now that he's taken a one-week break. He's not in the same groove, maybe. I don't know. That's just how dumb idiot football fa- fans think. Uh, but the Texans' defense is still banged up. Grant Delpit will be out. Denzel Ward hurt himself in practice and he is now questionable uh and if ward can't go that's a big loss but this browns defense is still so good and their offense has been absolutely cooking with joe flacco and i like the texans defense i think it's getting a solid foundation built but i don't think that it can stop the browns when flacco is on his game now, it's been a small sample size so far for Flacco, and I guess we'll see if he does and is on his game still. But um, this is a, this is literally a coin flip. I don't know who's going to win this one. I would like to think that the Texans win this one. Uh, but the Joe Flacco story is great. I mean, the Browns have been one of the most resilient teams all season. Uh... This is a close one. This is a close one. Oh, also, I'm not giving, like, I'm not doing the picks anymore. Actually, I'll still do the picks. I'll find I'll find the numbers that I like here. Um, but yeah, I, this is this is one that I'm I'm still undecided about. If we're being completely honest right now, uh, and the Saturday night game, we get Dolphins at Chiefs. Dolphins traveling to Arrowhead in very, very shitty conditions. Apparently, it's supposed to be minus 17 Celsius. Uh, I think that's like minus 32 Fahrenheit or something like that. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. I don't really I don't really care, like, if we're being completely honest. The, the, there's been a narrative out there the entire year about, oh, the Dolphins are frauds, the Dolphins, oh, they can't beat winning teams, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the Dolphins are 1-5 against NFL playoff teams, averaging 17.7 points per game. Uh, the Chiefs, on the other hand, are 1-4 versus NFL playoff teams and are averaging 18.8 points per game. Both of these teams are not winning a Super Bowl this year. I can say that with some relative confidence anyways. Uh so I give the Dolphins a shot. 
the that line is set Chiefs minus four and a half. And I said that I'm not betting the Dolphins in 2024 and I'm sticking to that. And when I say that, I'm not talking about futures and awards and stuff like that. I'm talking about straight up on the game, betting them spread, betting them whatever. Just to be clear for whoever, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just, I the Chiefs aren't good. The Dolphins, hopefully we get some oomph back to our offense. Hopefully that means Mostert and Waddle are back. I'm sure that both of them are play. I think it's trending that both of them will play. And that'll be a big boost to our offense because I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I, I like this Chiefs defense is very good. We will be able to score with our full arsenal on offense. Uh, and the Chiefs offense isn't very good, but we have a very banged up offense or very banged up defense right now, which I mean, we have a revenge game for three of our guys on that defensive line right now. Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, and Emmanuel Ogba, all former Chiefs now all playing. Uh, I mean, the fact that we're just starting Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram in a playoff game in 2024 is nuts. I'm hoping that those old boys who have been sitting on the couch all season uh, have some good juice in their legs and they can get that rotation going and it'll look okay. But uh, I got no real expectations anymore. Uh, Yeah, I got no real expectations for the Dolphins this season. It's all gravy at this point. If we lose this game, it's going to suck. If we win this one, then it's fantastic. Let's see what we can do. Because if we beat the Chiefs and the Texans beat the Browns, we play the Bills, which would be fun. It would be a good matchup again. Um, I don't know. But the Chiefs on the other side, like, the resting guys, Travis Kelsey is still banged up. Like, I don't know. They've been bad. Not bad all season, but they've been very okay for a large stretch of the season, and I don't really see that changing in a very cold and windy game in Kansas City over the weekend. Uh, so I guess let's keep let's keep going on to the Sunday games, three Sunday games, starting with this one, Steelers at Bills, Bills minus 10, total set at 35 and a half. This is going to be a snow game. There was rumors that it might get moved from Buffalo if the weather got bad enough and this, like the snow lake effect where they get like massive dumps of snow. Doesn't look like it's going to snow that much, but it's going to snow a decent amount. So the weather is already going to be a factor. TJ Watt's not playing in this one, but the Bills consistently play down to their opponents no matter what. This is a very big line in a game that could be very, very sloppy. Uh, so Steelers plus 10 Steelers plus 10. I don't know. I also do like the under in this one, but I guess we will, uh, we will see. But either way, the bills should win this. They have no excuse not to win this game. Uh, they are the much, much better team, especially without TJ Watt there. They're playing Mason Rudolph. Like, come on. Like, Bill's got a layup. They're going to win this one. If they don't win this one, it'll be the funniest thing ever. Um, But I think not really much more to say other than that. Uh, The afternoon game now, Packers at Cowboys. Cowboys minus seven, total set at 50 and a half. Mike McCarthy revenge game. Um, 
watch out for the Packers in this offense to prove people wrong. Uh, or at least to show up that, like, we should be here or watch out for us next year type thing. Uh, Jordan Love, I mean, I've been saying it for the last couple months now, but he is great. He is currently a top 10 quarterback in this league. Uh, and I there's there's a reasonable path where this Packers offense anyways doesn't carve up this Dallas defense because this Dallas defense is very good, but I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. There's a reason why the total is 50.5, obviously. Um, and you can never trust... Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy in big primetime games. Uh, but again, it's one of those games where I can talk about the Packers and all their offense and it's so good, but this Cowboys team is better on both sides of the ball. I think they got the better offense. I think they got the better defense. They definitely got the better defense because that Packers defense is not very good. Jair Alexander also rolled his ankle in practice did not practice today, so I guess he's questionable going into uh, Sunday. I'm sure he'll play, but that's just an interesting thing to note. Um, yeah, I don't think the Packers win this one, but I think that they keep it closer than that seven-point line indicates, uh, and we will go on to the Sunday night game. Rams at Lions, the double revenge game. Stafford back home to the team that drafted him. Goff facing his former head coach and team. Um, this is going to be a very, very fun game. I'm expecting a high-scoring game. I expect Ben Johnson and Sean McVay to both be in their bags. Um, potentially Ben Johnson's last game as a Lion. Uh, I guess we'll see on that end, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I like the Rams. I do like the Rams, but so does everyone. So that makes me kind of be like, well, I can't like the Rams if the entire world is like, oh, yeah, the Rams are going to win this one. Uh, I think the loss of Sam Laporta is going to hit this offense. I still think that the run game with Monty and Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best wide receivers in this league. will still be able to get it going and do enough. Um and this Rams offense on the other side, Kyron Williams has been phenomenal. Puka Nakua had the best rookie season ever. Uh, Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. And Matt Stafford, this is, I mean, when we talk about revenge games, and usually it's only one guy, but it's both quarterbacks on uh, on each side of this matchup here. Like, who has more more revenge in their hearts right now? Is it Jared Goff, the guy who the Rams picked first overall to be their franchise savior, took him to a Super Bowl and then just kind of cast them aside and then ended up winning a Super Bowl with a very, very good team around Matt Stafford? Obviously, Matt Stafford is, let's say, he was the key that got the go, but hypothetical, we don't know if Goff was the quarterback of that stacked of a team, if he would have done the exact same thing. Who knows? Or is it Matt Stafford, where you got traded away by the Lions, you were also their first overall pick, you were supposed to bring glory back to Detroit, and time after time they failed you and failed you, and they kept blaming you, where you're the issue, Matt. Uh, and then they trade you away, and you immediately win a Super Bowl, and now you're back, both teams back. This is basically to see who wins or who won that trade. I mean, it's probably going to be the Rams because they won a Super Bowl and now they're back in the playoffs 
two years after that Super Bowl and being, what did they have, a top five pick last year? Top six pick? Something like that. Either way, um, this is going to be a very fun one. I am very excited for this one. Uh, and finally, the Monday game, Eagles at Tampa. Eagles minus three. Bucks, or total set at 43 and a half. I don't know why the Eagles should win this game. They have the better roster, sure. They got the better quarterback, sure. They got the better offensive line, sure. They got the better defensive line, sure. But this Eagles team does not respect its coaching staff at all. Now, I'm saying this without knowing anyone on the Eagles coaching staff or really hearing what the players have had to say, but I just know that the Eagles don't respect their coaches right now. Um, and the Bucks, the Bucks are just kind of having fun at this point. They know that they're not a Super Bowl team, but they're going to play their asses off because that's the way that Baker Mayfield plays. That's his play style. It's always them versus the world. He will play that underdog card. And I think the Bucks win this one. I honestly do. I think that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will be an issue for this very bad uh, Eagles secondary. Uh, and I think the big issue with the Eagles in this game is their offense is going to be banged up because usually the big hole in the Bucks defense is their secondary. Jalen Hurts has not thrown a football since he dislocated his one of his fingers on his throwing hand. That is a big issue. He doesn't know. He got asked about whether or not, like, oh, how it feels. And it's like, well, no, it's not the same because I have a finger that's not in the same place anymore. So it makes everything much harder. I don't know how well he's going to be able to throw a football. They'll still be able to run the ball and run it into the ground. But I don't know what his touch is going to look like. He hasn't, again, he hasn't thrown a ball since he hurt his finger versus the Giants in week 18. That is... Scary to me if you're an Eagles fan, where your QB1 has not thrown a pass all week because they don't know if he can right now. Um, obviously, I mean, they'll give him some painkillers, they'll splint it up in the best way they can, but it, it is going to be awkward for him throwing the football, and you can't have awkward throwing games in the NFL playoffs. Luckily for them, they're playing an NFC South team, but I think this Bucks team has enough, like, oomph and gusto and whatever other synonym of those words you want to say, but they got a little, they got a little magic, not as much magic as like the Browns and Flacco do on their run right now, but they're like the Walmart version of the Browns where it's like they got Baker and they got like an okay team and they're the Browns little brother. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, I guess that'll do it for the wild card preview. Let's get into some NFL draft talk here. So the top, I think the top 18 picks in the draft have been set. I could have done a top 18 mock, but that just sounds weird. So I'm going to do my first top 10 mock of the season. Let's ease into the draft season a little bit. Um, and starting off with number one, the Chicago Bears of way of the Carolina Panthers. I'm sure Bears fans are very happy with that trade now. Um, and they have some options here. Do they trade the pick away, get a haul of picks, uh, keep Justin Fields and field the best team and kind of go for that Super Bowl run like right now? Or do they trade Fields away, draft through QB of the future, and go from there? 
Um, I have them taking their QB of the future. It is not Justin Fields. It is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, you are a Chicago Bear. Uh, I think in this hypothetical world, I traded Justin Fields to the Falcons for a second-round pick. Uh, let's just say that. Uh, but yeah, the Bears land the USC quarterback, former Heisman winner. Uh, people have some issue with some maturity things and the way he acts. Whatever. The guy knows that he's going to be an NFL quarterback, and he knows that he's a very, very good prospect. I mean, he's been touted as generational. I'm not going to say he's generational, but he is very, very good. There's a reason that he has been compared to Pat Mahomes. He can be a game changer, and he gets put into an offense right away where hopefully should be better for him. He'll have DJ Moore. He'll have Cole Komet. The run game solid. Darnell Wright was an awesome pick for them at tackle. The defense has been better. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see what Matt Eberflus, who he brings in for that coaching staff, because uh, I should have brought this up at the top of the shot. Actually, no, I shouldn't have, because Carol Sabin and Belichick all deserve their time in the spotlight instead of Luke Getze and whoever the Bears QB coach were. Either way, the Bears offense coordinator and QB coach have been fired. Matt Eberflus is going to bring in new people, and I guess we'll see who he brings in. Um, but yeah, this is a game changer for the Bears. It gives them five more years of a cheap QB contract with an already solid roster around him. And still another pick in this top 10 here. So we'll see where they go there. Uh, Commander is next on the clock, and I am going double QB right away. They select QB Drake May out of North Carolina uh, to replace their North Carolina QB, Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell might be backing up. Might be backing up Drake May, which I think that they're really good friends. So I think that that honestly might work out really well for the commanders but they get drake may and i love drake may i think that he is fantastic i think that he is a justin herbert type of player if justin herbert had any type of balls um or maybe he's josh allen if josh allen wasn't an idiot obviously josh allen is a phenomenal player and i'm not going to compare but either way <coughs> oh my bad uh, Drake May, but that's just to show, like, Drake May is a very good player. He is someone who is on Caleb Williams' level. That's why I don't think Caleb Williams is generational, because I think it's 1A, 1B with those two. And the Commanders get their guy. They hopefully get their QB of the future uh, to throw to some already good weapons, Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, bring in that run game, and it all depends on who their future head coach is going to be. We don't know that yet, but I got Drake May going two to the commanders right now. And at number three, we have the New England Patriots here, and I have a trade. I have a trade. Now, some Patriots fans are probably being like, oh, why didn't we pick Marvin Harrison Jr.? Because Mac Jones throwing to, Marvin, <laughs> throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., doesn't get you anywhere next year. Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. is f phenomenal, but you got to build this team out. This isn't a solid roster. The defense, the defense is fine. Now that Bill's gone, we will see. I'll just say that, but they trade back to five with the Chargers, and the Patriots receive five 
37, and a 2025 second-round pick. So the Chargers are on the clock, and of course the Chargers are selecting Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, If you know the name Marvin Harrison, you know the name Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously his dad, the former Colts receiver, former All-Pro Hall of Famer, one of the best receivers in league history. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., four inches taller, 20 pounds heavier, and just as good. He is phenomenal. He is a truly generational wide receiver prospect. I mean, he, not compared to his players, but he is like a Julio, like a Jamar Chase. He's on those guys' level. Ah, And the Chargers get their wide receiver one. Obviously, Keenan Allen is still there. Keenan Allen is old. Uh, They drafted Quinton Johnson last year. I think that they'll just kind of wash their hands. Hopefully, he does something. And I think that this means Mike Williams is gone. Whether that is a cut or a trade, the Chargers have a lot of of people with getting paid a lot of money that they shouldn't be right now. So whoever comes in as GM will have some choices to make. But I think getting... Justin Herbert, his wide receiver one for the rest of his career is the right thing to do for whoever the new Chargers GM is. Uh, So let's move on to number four here. Number four, we are on to the Cardinals. And the Cardinals could take one of these tackles, Olufashano, Joe Alt. Uh, Maybe they tell their longtime left tackle, DJ Humphreys, to take a walk because maybe he's getting paid a little too much money. I think that DJ Humphreys is fine for now. They drafted Paris Johnson last year, who he was a very good pick. But I have them getting a wide receiver one for Kyler, and that is Malik Neighbors out of LSU. Uh, Six foot, 200 pound. He is dynamic with the ball in his hand. He is a good route runner. Like He does everything well that you want in a receiver. He is a 1B to Marvin Harrison, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, the Cardinals get their guy. They Jonathan Gannon said that he is committed to Kyler. Uh, and I think Hollywood Brown is a free agent. I don't know if they'll bring him back, but if they bring him back and they get neighbors, uh, Kyler's got a pretty good offense there in Arizona next year. Uh But yeah, I think that Neighbors is a good fit, and I think this is a reassurance and an offer of good faith towards Kyler to be like, we gave you all this money, we are giving you good players to play with now, go out and prove us right. Um, And I think he has a decent chance to do it next year. I, I guess, I mean, we will see. And now, number five, the Patriots are on the clock after their trade with the Chargers, and they select Olu Fashanu out of Penn State, my number one left tackle in the draft. Uh, the man is a monster, 6'6", 317. Uh, and they could have went with Joe Alt. I don't think there's really a wrong pick there. I I compared these two tackles to when uh, Panay Sewell and Slater were coming out, where those aren't comps as them as players, but that's just kind of how uh, 
what their ceilings are anyways or as like prospects because there are both very very good tackle prospects but I like Olu just a little bit better and the Patriots get their left tackle of the future Trent Brown is on the way out he has been saying some not nice things about the Patriots and Bill Belichick I mean the man has gotten paid a lot of money to not play a lot of football recently but that's been the story of his career for the most part but they bring in Olu in to solidify that left side of the line and I think if you're a Patriots team where you need everything on offense right now starting with the trenches is the right way to go uh make sure that whoever that QB is next year that he has time and can stay upright because that was a major major issue for the Patriots this season uh so they pick Olu Fashanu. Uh, next up, the Giants at number six, and the third QB of the draft gets drafted right here. Jaden Daniels out of LSU, the Heisman winner, 6'4, 210. Uh, just a very dynamic player, a very raw player. But I think that he does have a high ceiling. I think that he is a good throw of the football. I think that he is dynamic. Uh, with his legs and with the ball in his hand. And that's just kind of what the league is is leaning towards now, is players who, if you're at the quarterback position, you need to have some mobility back there to scramble because the guys on the defensive line are some of the best athletes on the planet. Jane Daniels is one of those guys. Now, he will be competing with Daniel Jones, I just I guess you could say, because Daniel Jones will still be there just because of his contract and the way that it works. And maybe the Giants do pass on Jaden Daniels and they're just kind of like, whatever, we'll roll with Daniel Jones. We gave him all this money anyways. Let's just see if it can work. It's kind of punting on the season, but uh I don't know. I don't know. I like Jaden Daniels. I think that the Giants need to figure out their quarterback situation at some point. You're picking six overall. Not a good chance that you'd be picking six again next year. But who knows? There's a whole offseason to really plan plan those things out. But right now it is Jaden Daniels out of LSU. Uh, now for number seven, the other tackle goes off the board here. Titans land Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Also a monster, 6'8", 322. Uh, the Titans need offensive linemen in the baddest way. Only Peter Skronsky is the only... NFL starter that they have. Now they add Joe Alt to play right next to him, forming a hopefully very solid wall on that left side of the line for a decade plus, hopefully. Um, and the Titans are, I mean, just in total rebuild mode right now. Uh, I think that there's a decent chance where they are the worst team in the league. Next year, I don't have a lot of faith in whoever they bring in as coach to do a good of a job as Vrabel. Will Levis, I'm not totally sold on yet. I think that he has potential, to say the least. Um, they're losing Derrick Henry. Either way, I think that, like the Patriots, this is just kind of a like, okay, let's just get... You gotta build from the trenches when you're this bad. Build from the trenches, and when the trenches are set everything else just becomes much, much easier. And this helps solidify the trenches for the Titans. Um, yeah, and we will go on. The Falcons picking eighth overall for the third time in a row. And instead of getting one of these offensive guys and Brock Bowers or Romo Dunze out of Washington, 
Um, and trust me, I thought about it just to be funny here and give them, oh, another really good skill position player that they're not going to use. No, I went with defense and I went with uh, Layatu Latu uh, out of UCLA, the 6'4", 265 edge rusher. His tape is phenomenal. He does everything that you want from an edge rusher. He's got insane size and build. He's got speed. He's got good quick hands. His one issue with me is, so he played at Washington, and the Washington medical staff did not clear him to play football because of an injury that he sustained. Uh, Then he went to UCLA. Those doctors cleared him. He hasn't had an injury since. So, Kind of hands up in the air right now. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Obviously, the combine and the NFL medical checks that he'll have to go through will be very telling. But uh, he is, I mean, in my mind, he's the best edge edge player in this class. Um, and the Falcons need, need help on edge. They drafted Arnold Ibikidi. He's been pretty good. They brought in... Bud Dupree, who was solid for them this year, but they get a stud in Law 2 and hopefully brings this defense to another level for them. Um, Because, yeah, again, I think if the Falcons didn't have the two worst QBs in the league this year, they would have been a playoff team. So if you get them an average quarterback, that defense takes a step with Law 2 and the offense takes a step just because they're using all of these skill position guys that they drafted. I like the Falcons next year. Um, Number nine, we're back with the Bears. Now the Bears could go defense here. They can go back on offense, and I have them going back on offense and taking Romo Dunze out of Washington. Uh, I just had it up. How tall is he? The 6'3", 215 receiver gives them a perfect complement next to DJ Moore. The man is a very, very, very good route runner, tracks the ball well, uh... This is a very good wide receiver class. I will just say that now because there are more guys that are going to get drafted in this first round. Probably six. I think six, seven receivers could get drafted in this first round. I guess we'll see. Um, But Romo Dunze is one of the better ones. And now the Bears on offense, if you're keeping track, they got their QB of the future in Caleb Williams. They got their left tackle of the future in Darnell Wright. They got DJ Moore. They got Romo Dunze. They got a Decent running back trio. This is a team that is building. This would be a team that is fun. This would be a very, very good position to put Caleb Williams in immediately in year one. Uh, And that would have me excited for Bears football next season. And finally, at number 10, we get the New York Jets. Um, Now, this is where I could have gone a couple different ways because it's like both the top two tackles are off the board. So could I take them taking a JC Lantham out of Alabama? Um, I really like uh, a Marius Mims out of Georgia, very young raw tackle prospect there. Do they go with defense again? Really bolster up that defense. That's already really fucking good. Um, No, I have them taking Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia. One of the better players in this draft class, uh, 6'4", 240, do-it-all tight end just because they had two NFL players on that offense last season, and it was Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Now, 
The offensive line was absolutely terrible. They should probably reach for one of these tackle prospects just to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Fix that in free agency. Spend the money there. Go get Rodgers some actual weapons that he will use. I know he's going to use Garrett Wilson. I know he's going to love Brees Hall. You give him Brock Bowers. Rodgers loves his tight ends. I mean, Jermichael Finley for a long time. He had Jimmy Graham for a while. Uh, Robert Tunyon led the league in TD receptions one year. Imagine if he had Brock Bowers. Uh, Again, the offensive line is definitely the spot where they should be going, and probably Mims or Laffin is the better pick here, but... I like the idea of a Rodgers, G. Willie, Brees Hall, Brock Bowers offense. Sounds pretty nice to me. Um, But yeah, that'll do it. I thought that was a good top 10 mock. I like that trade. Let me know if you didn't. I'm sure that Spills is very thrilled with that trade. And I'm sure that Chu and Cam are too. But I guess I will see when I get my feedback in the group chat tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this wildcard weekend, though. I, again, I don't have expectations anymore. Now that our entire edge group is out, I'm just kind of like, it's all gravy at this point. The farther we go, the better, obviously, but, uh, it would be nice to be Casey and Casey. It would be very, very nice, and, uh, If you've liked this, please like, share, retweet, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and until next time, peace.